This is Recorded Future, Inside Threat Intelligence for Cybersecurity. Hello, everyone. I'm Dave Bittner from The Cyberwire. Thanks for joining us for Episode 65 of the Recorded Future podcast. Our guest today is Brian Littlefair. He's CEO at Cambridge Cyber Advisors, and previously he held the global CISO position at Aviva and Vodafone Group. His current focus is working with board-level executives to enable a deeper understanding of cybersecurity and how it relates to business risk. He shares his thoughts on the communications gap between IT professionals and board members, effective ways to overcome it, and the importance of threat intelligence in gauging risk and setting priorities. Stay with us. I've worked with a lot of boards and a lot of executive teams in in my time as as a global CISO. And one of the things that I've observed is, I think it's too harsh to call it a disconnect, but I think there's a, there isn't really effective communication going on in, in some of the organizations that I've seen between the security teams and the boards. And I think there's a, a little bit of a, a challenge on both sides. So I don't think the security team are really communicating, communicating in a way that the boards can understand. And equally, I think the boards need to allocate more time into getting to speed on what some of the security challenges and risks they are that their organization faces and equally how to get involved so that they can offer support and challenge. So that was really my key driver. I, I thought, well, I think I've got the skills and experience. I've always been told that I'm very good at communicating at a board level. I can articulate highly technical aspects in a, in a language that a board can, can really grasp and, and understand. And I wanted to really drive an approach that that changed the way that security teams did actually communicate with the boards. So it's it's not just a language, it's a whole methodology around explaining and getting the board on side with what is the security strategy of the organization and, and how are we going to address it. I think that was the major catalyst. When you look at the, the history of uh, both boards of directors and then the, the, the uh, coming up of, uh, of IT groups, of security groups, why do you think we found ourselves in this situation? What, what historically led us to this situation where communications can be a challenge? Well, actually, I saw an, an interview with uh, Vince Cerf the other day, obviously one of the, the godfathers of the Internet, one of the creators and the founders. And, and he was asked that specific question. Did, did they really think that the, the security challenges that we're facing today would be a key aspect of the Internet? And honestly, they didn't foresee that. They they didn't really look at what were, I suppose, the unintended consequences of, of their creation. Hmm. And I think that's that's what we're seeing today. I mean, I, I've had the benefit of working in telecoms for a large part of my career. And, and the, the benefit of telecoms is it encompasses all of the infrastructure that a typical organization would, but but equally a massive communications infrastructure. And then an end user population as well, whether it's from a mobile perspective or, 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 or other aspects as well. So you get to have that good exposure of uh, what are the types of attacks that can happen, whether it's on an enterprise or a critical national infrastructure component or actually an end user perspective. And I think that we've, we've got there by organizations um, not properly embracing the security challenges that they could potentially face, not really looking at that radar and saying, how do we best mitigate our security challenges in, uh, strategically in the future? And honestly, being proactive about it. I, th- I think that 
security by its very nature is reactive. You know, the bad guys come up with something and the security professionals have to come up with something to compensate that. But there are several initiatives and components that can be done proactively to mitigate that. And I really think that a concerted, proactive drive by organizations is is one of the key things that needs to happen in order to help get you on that front foot. I'm curious what your take on, on this notion. I've heard it described as, you know, when you are proactive and nothing happens, that doesn't get the same attention from the board as if when you're reactive, responding to a crisis, there's all sorts of attention on that. There's money spent on it. And, and so that gets the board's focus, that gets their attention. Yep. So I think um, the security team, is. there's no doubt about it. When when there's a security incident in play, um, you know, the security person becomes the most important person in the business. You know, if you, you're the media trained one, you're the one in front of the media answering the questions, effectively you're running the company for, for that period of time on behalf of the CEO. So uh, obviously you have the spotlight on you during that time. And, and I think that is when security teams either come into their own or, or their weaknesses are, are significantly exposed. Um, and that is where you significant have significant board attention and focus on you to be able to drive that forward. I think in, in what I call peace times, when, when there isn't an incident running, uh, that's where you need to demonstrate the value that a security function can add. And I've first-handedly witnessed boards and executive teams that honestly don't understand the purpose of their their security organization. They sometimes see it as they're the brand preservation people or they're just the team that run antivirus on our laptops. But most security organizations have a, a very broad scope. And I think that's what I said about it. It's a security team's responsibility to drive that proactiveness. And part of that, honestly, is is raising the visibility of the value that they add to the organization. So I, I like to drive security teams and like them to get the visibility of actually underpinning the business strategy. Now, I know most other business functions would say the same. Finance would say the same. Marketing would say the same. But it's it's rare that if a, if one of the strategies goes wrong, it can have such an impact on the organization as the security strategy. So I think that's really the job of the chief information security officer just to outline to the executive team, look, this is the value that my team presents to you on a day in, day out basis. Yes, we manage incidents. Yes, we also do antivirus. But look at the plethora of other activities that we also do for you. And it's raising the visibility of that and getting that buy-in is key. Now, I've often heard it described that um, the, the security folks will do better by putting uh, what they do in terms that the board can understand, and specifically framing it in terms of risk. Uh, is, that, is that an accurate way to go at it in your estimation? Yeah, so I, I think that you have to speak in a language that the board can understand. And in my experience, that's finance and risk. So uh, we, we are going to invest y, X, uh, X or Y uh, to mitigate this risk, and if we don't do it, the potential impact could be why. Um, that that is something that they can understand as as long as the the activity is is I suppose explained to them as well in 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 a manner that they can understand easily. I think that they really do resonate with a risk based conversation, and one of the things that I really do advocate is that security professionals need to evolve their assessment of risk moving on from just looking at compliance to the security policy or compliance to the internal controls framework. 
because risks are present whether you know about them or not. And if you don't know about them, someone else might find them before you do. So you need to take a more holistic approach to your, your risk assessment so that you can present an accurate view to the board. What you don't want to be doing is going in there saying, okay, we're, we're 92% compliant to our security policy, therefore we're secure, because you're probably not. Unless you've done a proper holistic assessment against your organization, so I'm talking red teaming, I'm talking ethical hacking, using the tools and techniques that the criminal or the bad guys may use to get into your function, you don't actually know what some of your weak points might be. So it's really important that you give the board that holistic view as well. And how much of the responsibility do you suppose falls on the board members themselves? Uh, certainly, I mean, there's a pecking order here, right? And I think most people would, would think that, well, well, the board is, is higher up than the, than the workers, and they may think, well, it's the responsibility of those below me on the organization chart to put things in a, in a way that I can understand them. But how much is it up to the board to, to, to put in that effort? I think the board, obviously the board has an accountability to the shareholders. And in my view, boards don't run companies. The executive teams do run the companies. But obviously the board has supervisory responsibilities over the executive team to make sure that the right things are happening. Uh, and, and several members of the executives typically sit on the board, the CEO, the CFO, and, and, and maybe a few others as well. So I think when you've got a collection of people's uh, with those joint accountabilities, they, they have a very broad spectrum of, of controls and, and risks that they have to track uh, an organizational level. And I do think that they have a responsibility to, to get up to speed with uh, the appropriate knowledge that's needed for them to challenge, interrogate, provide guidance, and, and ultimately support for initiatives that are coming across the table. Now, I'm not naive enough to say that's just cyber. There's a whole host of business challenges that they need to get across. But cyber is one of them as well, and they need to get up to speed with that. Do you find that the the two groups inadvertently find themselves in an adversarial position from time to time? Certainly. So I think that there's... um, any IT team uh, would like to be able to, to present a, a clean bill of health to the board. But it's important that you actually present an accurate view of the world and, and what it's actually looking like. I, I think that uh, when you're presenting to a board and maybe you're presenting the IT or maybe you're presenting the, the security strategy, what you want to do is educate them. You want to be able to, to, and I'm not saying that in a belittling way, but what you want to do is be able to bring them up to speed in terms of what is the strategy of the organization. They're responsible for setting out their business strategy. So where, what is, how is our business going to operate? What is our key strategy? What markets are we going to operate in? That then needs to be translated into an IT and a security strategy. How are, how are both of those functions going to support that business strategy in being effective? And they need to be able to be effective in order to support the business growth. So I think there can be some tension and there can be some, some odds in terms of getting that, those strategies agreed making sure that the right budget, making sure that the right resource is allocated to them so that they can be successful. Because ultimately, that's what any CISO wants to do. They want to support the business. They do want to protect the brand. Uh, they want to make sure that it effectively underpins the business strategy so that the organization ultimately can be successful. Now, when you're brought in to work with an organization, uh, what's your approach? How do you get the lay of the land and, and how do you get started? So I typically, uh, my engagement is, is typically with board level. Uh, so it's either going in to support a member of the board or the executive team or the chief information officer or the chief risk officer or, or sometimes the chief operations officer. 
So, so going in at that level, uh, it might be to address a specific challenge or issue that they're facing. But more uh, normal, it's to go in and help them uh, understand have they got the right security strategy? Um, are they doing the right things in the right order? They don't understand enough about the topic and they'd like some independent expert assurance to say, yes, we're doing the right things and we're doing them in the right order in order to achieve the, the maximum risk reduction, which is ultimately what they're, they're trying to achieve. My, my approach is, is to spend time. I, I think you have two ears and one mouth uh, for, for a reason. You know, I'd like to listen to the organizations around, well, what are you trying to achieve? Uh, and w what is your business strategy? Which markets are you going to be operating in? Because things like geopolitical risk also uh, play a factor. But you need to get to understand the business because security is a business problem. I think so too many people try and shoehorn security into the IT function, and that's not the right place for it. The biggest challenge in security at the moment is around the holistic nature of it. It's a very, very broad topic. And yes, we do need technology at play, but but absolutely we need to, to get security embedded into all of the business processes for it to be, be able to work effectively. So I like to spend time with the person that's responsible for setting the business strategy and understand how security be can become a part of that and then understand how it cascades down to within the organization. But that's starting from the top, and but equally you have to start from the bottom as well. So, what is the what is the foundations that we're building upon here? You know, have the have the basics been done? What are the hygiene factors that are pre present within the IT estate? What are the internal audits that have been carried out? What how many vulnerabilities or issues are known within the estate, and and what testing is carried out to find the unknowns? All of those factors uh, come into play when you're helping an organization understand its strategy um, and helping them to devise a program of activity. Because unless you know that holistic view, you can kick off uh, programs of activities and, and yes, they will deliver, but are they delivering in the right place? Are you putting a sticking plaster over one issue when there's a bigger problem that you just don't know about? So it's the planning and preparation making sure that you've got that good holistic view before any activity commences so that you know you're going to be delivering the right outcome for the company are there any common themes that you run into common problems where the organizations who are struggling with this do do you see similar things over and over again yeah i think uh organizations that have been around for for some time um obviously have the constraints of legacy, you know, and, and legacy, I don't mean in terms of history and tenure legacy, I mean, in, in terms of old infrastructure and, and IT equipment that is, is still around in the estate. And, and sometimes that's really difficult to, to, to turn off. It's, it might be a core critical component to the business and, and even planning to, to replace that system and platform might take a, a couple of years. And, and obviously, you see the, the competition popping up with, with all new modern equipment, probably cloud-based, so lower cost-based to manage so they can actively price better within the market. So I think that organizations of a certain size are always going to be grappling with some form of, of legacy. So they need to understand how they can effectively manage that within their estate. And I think I, the, one of the biggest challenges that I think I see within organizations is, is around identity. So how do they identify not just the people within their organization. So yes, it is their employees, but it's their contractors, it's their third party supply chain, it's their fourth party supply chain. Um, 
And, and equally, how do they identify the, the equipment on their network? How do they identify which applications are allowed to run? How do they identify which applications aren't allowed to run? Um, if you look at the nature of, of any typical attack that happens at the moment, you know, the, the person is the target, the staff member is the target. Um, so it, all someone has to do is potentially click a link uh, that laptop is compromised, and and then that behaviour becomes legitimate. They're using uh, a legitimate credential to carry out uh, legitimate tasks that that person might normally perform if they've been targeted. Um, so, from a security professional's perspective, that becomes very hard. It, that is the true needle in a needle stack moment. You're you're trying to to differentiate. Uh, an attack from from very genuine business behavior and and that's where it gets very very complicated so i think one of the big challenges we have to solve is is getting better at, at managing inherent vulnerabilities within our estate and and then getting better identification but not just of people of of data assets applications and infrastructure now one of the focuses uh, on this show is threat intelligence uh, what part do you think threat intelligence plays uh, in the work you do and, and how how boards and the security team should approach their work? I think it's absolutely critical. So I, I advocate an, an intelligence-led or threat-led strategic approach. So um, many times I go into an organization and, and I sit down and I review the current security strategy. And, and typically it, it's, it reads reasonably well. You know, you can look at it without knowing the context in which it was created. And you see a series of activities that are looking at people, they're looking at process, and they're looking at technology. Um, but then you actually start to understand, well, well, how was this created? How did you come about that these are the things that you're actually going to prioritize upon? And, and normally you would find that these are the issues that have been found within the organization. Maybe it's from internal audits or maybe it's from known issues or, or fires that have been created over, over recent time. So actually this is your list of problems that you know about that you're trying to address it's not a security strategy. It's, it's closing down audits and closing down known issues. I think a security strategy needs to take in all of the threat intelligence based on that organization and then obviously divides a security strategy from the testing that carries out from that. So, so what do I mean? So uh, an organization would uh, engage with a threat intelligence provider and say, okay, I'm a, I'm a telecommunications company. I operate in 10 markets. These are the markets. We, we need to know who are the threat actors that would potentially try to, to compromise us, obviously including internal, including third parties, including supply chain. That intelligence is really, really useful to say, okay, what is the, the nature of the attack that might happen? What, what skills do they have? have what has happened to others in my sector uh, but then equally carrying out the the red teaming and an ethical hacking based on that threat intelligence so um, actually getting an organization to to try and compromise you in in an ethical way is a great learning journey and it's using that threat intelligence to be the recipe if you like of how could you potentially attack the organization and what that does is give you a lot greater insights and a, and a, and a far richer uh, activity of work that needs to be completed to secure the organization than just the compliance to a security policy and, and, and controls framework. They are important, but grouped together, it becomes a, a lot more enriched. So I, th I think threat intelligence is, is absolutely key uh, from a strategic perspective, but, but equally it has a day-to-day -day value as well around 
brand preservation if someone registers a domain name that that's similar to yours and is going to use a phishing campaign to perhaps drive your customer base to, towards clicking on that or sensitive documents are, are somehow online it allows you to get those insights and allows you to effectively manage that organization's exposure in that way so group together it's a really important tool for a CISO's armory Our thanks to Brian Littlefair from Cambridge Cyber Advisors for joining us. If you enjoy this podcast, we hope you'll take the time to rate it and leave a review on iTunes. It really does help people find the show. Don't forget to sign up for the Recorded Future Cyber Daily email, where every day you'll receive the top results for trending technical indicators that are crossing the web. Cyber news, targeted industries, threat actors, exploited vulnerabilities, malware, suspicious IP addresses, and much more. You can find that at recordedfuture.com slash intel. We hope you've enjoyed the show and that you'll subscribe and help spread the word among your colleagues and online. The Recorded Future podcast team includes coordinating producer Amanda McKeown, executive producer Greg Barrett, the show is produced by Pratt Street Media, with editor John Petrick, executive producer Peter Kilpie, and I'm Dave Bittner. Thanks for listening. Thank you.